everybody. Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Excited to be back for, well, it's not a live show per se, right? Because none of these shows are live. They're podcasts. Although we do record live from you know different venues and all that, but um, you know after we recorded Jamie Eisenberg from last week, check that out. Fantasy Football uh, One Fifty on Monday we discussed that big project that we're unveiling on CBS Sports right now. Highly recommend that you read that, and you should uh, should listen. Well, read the read the article, but mainly listen to the podcast uh, coming up today. We're gonna have Jordan Rodriguez of the Charlotte Observer, friend of the show, on to talk some Carolina Panthers. Uh, great timing because Gerald McCoy just signed. And so, um, what I'm gonna do instead of talking about that in the news portion, we'll, Jordan and I discussed at length. In fact, we were scheduled to do the podcast as we'll talk about at a certain time. Then McCoy signed and we had to bump the podcast back like two and a half hours, but really good conversation about the 2019 Carolina Panthers. I, I mean, this is not a biased comment. I really do think they're one of the more interesting teams in the NFL because of the pressure surrounding uh, Cam Newton and his contract situation and his, his health, um, because David Tepper is, you know, going to be thinking about making changes with Marty Herney and Ron Rivera, two you know, good GM and a good coach. If things don't go well, they're in a tough division. I think you could project them for two wins or, or 12 wins and I, I wouldn't be surprised by anything. So, um, I'm going to break down like a couple of news items. Give you my rundown of the NFC over under. My picks are on the site as I do every division in May. Um, that story will be up now. Podcast will be in, in that story. Uh, if you maybe you're, maybe you're listening to it in that story. Um, and then we'll take a break and we'll go talk to Jordan. But, uh, first up of note around the NFL, Rob Rukowski addressed rumors. He might come back and, you know, out of retirement and said, that's not happening. So you can put all the, the de-retirement talk to, uh, to rest. Apparently not a thing. The Jaguars signed Terrell Pryor, which, okay. If the Jaguars need Terrell Pryor to be a factor in 2019, Jaguars offense is in trouble. Uh, Terrell, I like Terrell Pryor, but I mean, let's be real. I mean, he, he's bounced around to multiple teams in the past few years. I mean, he's, he's spent a lot of time in different places. He's 30. He's almost 30. Um, Roger Goodell said that the Bills need a new stadium to remain, quote, competitive and stable, end quote. Yikes. And this is after he said that stable franchises don't move cities. Indicating, I mean, if you read it, it's not even read it to the lines. Goodell's basically starting up the early uh, threat where he's like, you know, if you want to keep the bills in Buffalo, I mean, can you imagine moving the bills to St. Louis or something? No offense to St. Louis. St. Louis Blues got a big win the other night, last night. I just say, you can't move the bills out of Buffalo. It's not even, it's not even funny to joke about. Do, like, do that and like Josh Allen wins a Super Bowl for the, for St. Louis. Oh my God. It'd be brutal. Uh, Adam Humphreys told, uh, friend of the program, Travis Haney of the Athletic, that he, the reason he passed up on playing for the Patriots and went with the Titans and said, he said, uh, of Tom Brady, obviously he's the goat. That's that simple. But there's so many factors into that decision. It was a four year deal. Who knows how many years he's got left? There's a lot that goes into it. Obviously the chance to play with him would have been awesome, but a lot of things factor into that decision. 
I hope the quarterback situation didn't factor into that decision, Adam Humphreys, because I promise you that Tom Brady is going to be playing a lot. Lo- well, I don't promise you this, but I would guess that Tom Brady plays longer for the Patriots than Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill play for the Titans. The Titans might not have a quarterback next year, and Tom Brady's be racking up another MVP. That's how this is going to work out. So. Good for you, buddy, if that's the uh, the path you want to take. But I don't know, man. I would be a little worried if I were him. Um, and that's the news. The NFC South is our over-under choice of the day. And uh, I'll start with the Saints. I'm going to run through these picks myself and explain how I feel and why I feel about them. Um, the Saints... I love the Saints. What there's there's not much to not like about the Saints. They went three seven and nine for three straight years with Drew Brees and Tom uh, Drew Brees and Tom Brady. Drew Brees and Sean Payton. Um and then the last two years after revamping their their defense and really the offensive line, Ryan Ramchick, Marshawn Lattimore, Alva Kamara, uh running game as well. I mean crushing the draft uh in two thousand seventeen. They have had a top eleven defense the last two years by D V O A. They are very good on defense. You look at their front four and, it, you know, I mean, talking Marcus Davenport, Sheldon Rankins, Cameron Jordan. I mean, this is a good defense. You believe that this defense could dominate. They signed Malcolm Brown. Um, Latavius Murray's a nice replacement for Mark Ingram. I worry a little bit how him leaving will affect the culture there. Max Ungers is a low-key concern as well. And, um, you know, I, I worry a little bit about Drew Brees' arm, frankly. I don't, I don't want to you know, blast breeze, but I mean, he completed set less than 70% of his passes, which is a thing. He also averaged less than seven yards per attempt. Sorry. In the final four games that he played, he did play week 17. He completed less than 70% of his passes, only had three touchdowns and three interceptions, looked noticeably challenged when he was trying to throw downfield and had less than seven yards per attempt in that stretch. So I, <laughs> excuse me, I think it's fair to worry about Drew Brees and, and, you know, whether he's fighting off father time. I mean, that's a, that's a legitimate concern. Now, if he's fine, it's not going to be a major issue. Um, and I, I, I'm not, I think the Saints offense will be good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think most people think that way. Um, I do worry a little bit about the schedule though. They open up with the Texans at home, seven point seven half point favorites in that game. That should be a win at the Rams, at the Seahawks. Yeesh. I mean, that one and two is not out of the question there. There wouldn't even be, I mean, there would be hot, like hot takes about it, like people freaking out, but that wouldn't be a weird thing. Um, then they get the Cowboys at home and the Buccaneers at home. So you're probably, you know, probably three and three and two, although they could, you know, two and three is not off the table at the Jaguars and at the Bears. I think that's probably a split. Those are tough games though. Cardinals at home. That's probably a win. Falcons at home. The week nine by Falcons at home at the Bucks. Panthers at home at the Falcons. 49ers at home, Colts at home, and they close at Titans at Panthers. My thing is, I just think I see this as a 10 win team. And they're over under, which I should have mentioned at the top, I guess, is, uh, 10 and a half. 10 and a half. That's too many points. It's too many. It's too high. It's too much. 10 and a half is an insane number. That means you have to win 11 to win. If a team goes 10 and six and they win the division, you lose your money. I wouldn't want to bet this because I could see the Saints easily going 13 and three, but I, I also wouldn't want to like, I wouldn't want to bet the under, but I wouldn't want to bet the over either. Um, they were lucky a little bit last year. They, uh, they should, I think they were 11 and a half 
uh, point differential win expectancy according to the Pythagorean theorem. So I would, uh, I would worry a little bit about that from that, from that standpoint, just because you could have some regression. Let's see, 11.2. So they outperformed the Pythagorean win total by 1.8. That's a lot. I'd be worried about that. That's a, that, that screams regression. And this division, I think, is better. I think the Panthers are better. I think the Falcons are better. Bucks are better. Get to them now. Uh, so I'll take the under on the Saints, but I'm not, not going to feel good about it. Got a top five, top, top five offense, top five defense. Um, the Atlanta Falcons over under eight and a half wins. If this was over, I would love it. I can't love it at eight and a half, but I would, uh, it's juice, by the way, minus 130 on the over. I would lean that way because, you know, but, um, for one, I'm not cursing them this year with my superpowers. So they got that going for them. If I were doing that, they'd be screwed. I do think it was interesting. They're looking at adjusted games lost on football outsiders. You know, we look, we think about the Falcons as being really unlucky and suffering a bunch of injuries. They were just 16th in adjusted games lost. They were second the year before, meaning that they had the second fewest games lost to injury. So they were really lucky in 2017 and then sort of fell back to the middle of the pack in 2018. So it wouldn't be that shocking if they really fell down to, you know, and, and we're a bottom team in 2019. I think, you know, more likely is they stay in the middle of the pack. But if they, you know, lose the same number of games to injury, the starters, they're really thin on defense. They have two starting two rookies on the right side protecting Matt Ryan. I get it. You know, Chris Lynch and Caleb McGarry, nice first round draft picks, but they're rookies on the right side. I love Vic Beasley, Grady Jarrett, DeAndre Sinet, DeAndre Sinet. And to Karis McKinley as a strong front four. But I mean, it's not like if, I mean, Vic Beasley has a lot to prove. Grady Jarrett's a stub, but he's holding out. Tack McKinley could take a leap forward. I mean, Deion Jones and Keanu Neal have to stay healthy. I, I don't think the offense is going to be a problem. I mean, Devontae Freeman back, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley. They got, uh, you know, Dirk Cutter, who's been there before working with Matt Ryan operating the offense. So I, I'm not, I'm not worried about all of that per se. Um, and I don't mind their schedule. They do open up against the Vikings at, on the road, Eagles at home, Colts on the road, and Titans at home. Yikes. And then they have the Texans on the road, the Cardinals on the road, the Rams at home, and the Seahawks at home. I don't think it's out of control for them to be four and four going into their week nine bye. And it could be even worse. If it's worse, this is probably going to go under. Um, eight and eight can still happen. This defense under Dan Quinn has never finished better than 22nd in DVOA. Okay, it hadn't it hadn't been a great defense by any stretch of the imagination. So I, I'm I'm going over, but I'm a little mm, a little worried about it. Eight and a half is a lot for that team. Maybe I'll go under. I might change this one tonight. Well, I'm, I'm finishing the story now. Um, I don't like it. Mm, I might go under. I think I'm going to go under on that one. And because I'm also going to go over on the Carolina Panthers, win total seven and a half over minus 130 there under plus 105. Uh, this line is dipped a half a point, as I'll mention with Jordan. I don't want to talk about the Panthers too long because Jordan and I go into in depth on them. Um, but this all comes down to Cam. And so I'm sort of thinking you buy low here, get it at seven and a half. If Cam is healthy, you've got great value. And when you look at their schedule, um, I really think that this is a team that could rip off 
some wins pretty early on. There's nothing crazy out there. They get the Rams at home, the Buccaneers at home. So you figure one and one, sure, they could be two and oh, that wouldn't be surprising. At the Cardinals, at the Texans. Again, two and two is totally possible. I think three and one is on the table, maybe even better. The Jaguars at home, and then the Buccaneers in London. So going to week seven bio, I'd have them at either three and three or four and two if Cam is healthy. And that means you're in really good shape to get that over of eight. If they're four and two, you need four wins on the back end, and they get the Titans, Falcons, Redskins, Seahawks, and Saints at home. And they had to play the 49ers out of the bye in San Francisco, so that mitigates some of the travel damage. I don't know. I just think that the, I think that this, if Cam is healthy, they were six and two when he when he you know when he really got hurt last year. So I'm going to go over on the Panthers. I'm sure I'll regret this because I was leaning under on the Carolina Panthers and I flipped it. Um, I think the defense is going to be really good, and North Turner's offense was clicking last year, so I will take the over there. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Their win total is six and a half, juiced to the under, according to the Superbook, uh, Superbook USA, the Westgate. Man, it is, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this much. We talk about, you know, all that matters is Cam. Well, all that matters for the Buccaneers is Bruce Arians. Is he, is he the, is he going to do what he did in, in Arizona? Cause Jameis Winston is the ultimate no risk it, no biscuit quarterback. If he comes in, and he works well with Bruce, with Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians works well, comes in and works well with Jameis Winston. I mean, there is a ton of potential offensively here. Defensively, I got problems though. I get, I get you added in Dominican Sue. I don't know that he's that big an upgrade over Gerald McCoy. I worry that Gerald McCoy might single-handedly beat this team and just destroy Jameis Winston. Uh, they play him twice, play the Panthers twice in the first two weeks of the season. That's half the reason he signed with Carolina. Um, so they have Sue and Vita VA in the middle. Pierre Paul, Jason Pierre Paul is not going to be back for a while, which means that it's Noah Spence, Carl Nassib, and William Golston, along with Shaq Barrett, uh, uh, yeah, rushing the passer, basically. I mean, and then you got Kevin Minter. I, I love the Devin White ad. Uh, Levante David, you know, they're shifting defenses, right? They're going to a three, a four, a, a three, four. So you've got all these different pieces in place that were built for a separate defense. I, I let, uh, yeah, Todd Bowles has gotten the most out of his guys on defense. He's done busy. He's gotten a lot of his defenses. So maybe he can get more out of this defense that we saw, uh, you know, previous coordinators, Mike Smith, et cetera, get out of it. If he does that, then this is a dangerous team. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, OJ Howard. People were hyping OJ Howard. Bruce Arians didn't really use his tight ends. Um, I'm not sure who's running the ball. I get Ronald Jones, Bruce Anderson getting some hype here. Mm. I don't know, man. I look at the schedule and it is tough. 49ers at home to open, then at Panthers, Giants at home. So if you want to tell me two and one, I'll buy it. Then they're at the Rams and at the Saints. I won't buy anything other than 0 and 2 in those games. And then the Panthers in London in week six. I think they'll get swept by the Panthers in those first two games if Cam Newton is healthy. And then they open up after the bye. After coming back from London, they're at Titans at Seahawks before Cardinals and Saints at home. And then at Falcons at Jaguars before the Colts at home in week 14. That is horrific. I I think they'll beat the Cardinals, but I'm not sure they get another win there. I mean, that might be one, two, three, four, five, six 
What if, what if you go one and one and six in that stretch? It's over. It's over. So I'm going to lean under on the Buccaneers here. Uh, six wins is a slap in the face to Bruce Arians. The only thing that makes me want to go over is Bruce Arians and the possible connection with Jameis Winston, but that schedule is too tough right now. And I had too many questions about that defense and I'm just not sure that they have a, you know, the running game you want to see. I think Winston could have a big year, but I am probably going to go under here. First time I've taken a Bucks under in a while. I will note they did push. You know, it was like seven last year, and they pushed, and they were pretty terrible. Um, maybe Bruce Arians can get the most out of them. I feel like I might be – like, anyway, these, these are subjects to change. I'm not betting on them right now. I wouldn't bet on any of these teams. I don't like any of these as, as a best bet or anything like that. Um, I, I will let you know if I do. But uh, those are those are where I lean right now with the picks I have in there. Let's go in a little bit more in-depth about the Gerald McCoy situation and the Carolina Panthers with Jordan Roderick after this break. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. All right. Joining the program now, as promised, a good friend and a uh, great writer down in Charlotte, a fellow uh, North Carolinian as well, Jordan Rodriguez. What's going on, Jordan? Hey, man. Glad to be here. Glad to be talking to you. It's like nothing happened this week or last week or, <laughs> or, or ever. Nothing to talk about at all. Yeah, right. No, nothing in the Panthers world at all. Um, I, There are people who believe this podcast is cursed and it's that like it leads people either to... Like bad, it just leads to bad things happening to whoever comes in contact with it. And it, it happened as we were scheduling you because you, you agreed to come on late because I wanted to talk Cam Newton with you. And literally, I mean, within, I mean, I would say three hours of you agreeing to do it, uh, Gerald McCoy signed with the Panthers at like, or I guess reportedly signed. You've, you've, it hadn't been, has it been announced? They haven't announced it, have they? No, they have an announcement, but you are on the right track. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, like it's, it's, it's happening. Like everybody's reported it. It's a done deal. Um, and McCoy has texted, I know he's texted with like Rick Stroud, like see you in week two. And we'll get to that in a minute, but like we had scheduled 6 30 PM to record this and the Gerald McCoy news broke at like 
605 or like maybe it was like 550 or something like that. But at any rate, uh, you got, cur- you got cursed into having to write a bunch of stuff about Gerald McCoy, but the Carolina Panthers have signed him. And I mean, I think this is, uh, I mean, it's not shocking because I think this is where we all thought it was getting it up, but I think this is, this is a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. You know, I think, um, first of all, I would never have agreed to come on this podcast if I knew beforehand it was cursed. So that's on you. <laughs> right. Well, th- I don't tell, I don't tell anybody it's cursed and they wouldn't, they wouldn't have any guests. Extremely sneaky. Well, extremely <laughs> sneaky, but, um, yeah, you know, what's really interesting is, um, I've kind of been studying this, this concept that kind of seems to circulate around the Panthers that they don't, the, the fan base a lot of times has felt, and, and for, for correct reasons, it's been, you know, notorious for when these battles for these kind of high profile free agents happen, either the Panthers are not in the conversation or they are, but it's kind of like a toe in the conversation and not, you know, their entire dang body like they did with Gerald McCoy. So not only are, were the Panthers, you know, in this conversation heavily as one of the, the three teams that he was deciding between, they also won the dang thing and they, they're signing him. And so that, that to me, this is, it's a different time here in, in this organization um, than it has been in, in quite some time. And I think that Marty Herney may be surprising people. I think there's like been some cautious optimism in terms of the moves he's made because they've been quiet and free agency in the draft the last two years, but they've been really solid. It, it kind of goes back to, his draft class um, last year that was kind of building up to these changes on offense and defense and also his, his signing of Eric Reed. I mean, these, these things were really major core things for um, the Panthers to build on this off season. So I think, you know, obviously getting rid of the Matt Khalil contract kind of set all of this into place um, so that they actually could sign Gerald McCoy. The money came in for the post June first cut. On Sunday. So it's like yeah. everything lined up perfectly. Nothing ever lines up perfectly for the Carolina Panthers. And so that's why people are like, whoa, what? <laughs> we got the guy. We got our guy. And so it's so interesting uh, to kind of be seeing the fan reaction. And, and yes, it did happen, uh, like, literally as we were talking about scheduling this podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a curse, I'm telling you. And, yeah, like, I, I can't I – try, I think the – maybe the last time – I'm trying to – I mean – you, you mentioned, you mentioned Eric Reed before we were talking and, um, I mean, the last time the Panthers really made a big splash in free agency, cause Dave Gettleman never did it and he made, made his, you know, he made his, made a point of reminding everybody that, you know, like, I, I can't do a good Dave Gettleman accent, but, you know, he would like to talk about <laughs> shopping at the, the dollar store and, um, and really the last time they spent big was when Marty Herney was, was the GM before and was, as I am led to believe, Basically forced by former owner Jerry Richardson to make it rain after the 2011 lockout as a, as a way to make fans feel better about the team and, and to, to sort of build some trust back with the players that had been burnt by Jerry being a jerk in, in, in the lockout meetings. And so, yeah, it's pretty rare to see the Panthers do it, but even crazier is that the Panthers got a discount on this guy b- because basically for spite, it seems like, right? Well, kind of. I think that's part of the story. And I think that's a good part of the story because I was just talking to someone about this the other day. Gerald McCoy's got to be thinking about like a revenge body situation. It's like when, you know, you you really work out hard in the gym right after a breakup because you really want 
the other person to be like, oh, dang, <laughs> you know, your ex to be like, oh, dang, right. that stinks. Yeah. <laughs> Instagram photos. No. <laughs> and so it, it's kind of one of those. I think that's part of it. I really do think that that's that's part of it, because nobody in the world is above that, I don't think. Um, but I also, you know, in talking to people uh, within the organization tonight um, after the signing, I found out some really interesting things about how they pitched him and how mm. they kind of got him to buy in. First of all, the fact that it was very warm here in Charlotte um, really <laughs> helped. <laughs> um, and, and by the way, the by the way, you can read these things on charlotteobserver.com or in the makes our waving arm motions, the print version of the Charlotte Observer, which will come out. I had read it earlier. They did have this big elaborate pitch, right? Yes, they did. And thank you. I, I will pay you later for, for plugging my story. But no, 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 no. Um, you get, you get unlimited. You, know, plug. you come on this podcast and get cursed. You get unlimited plugs. That's, that's how it works. You can plug your stuff as much as you want. Okay. Well, that's just a pity plug at that point. But <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And, and yeah, I did just write a column about this. Um, some really interesting conversations because they had six core players. So this is captains and other players. Um, because they haven't quite voted on captains yet this year. So the core players go take McCoy uh, to lunch, and they just had this really honest and frank conversation. And uh, the thing that really shines through whenever you are around these guys or whenever you kind of um, you know get to watch these guys practice or see how they interact with each other is, like, they all really like each other. <laughs> they all genuinely like and respect and get along well, and it's just like, a bunch of a bunch of friends or brothers or buddies, you know, kind of goofing around and, you know, talking trash to each other and just really kind of genuine respect. But then the other thing was like the Panthers, they you know, so that really impressed McCoy. And that was like one of one of the pivotal things. He met with Ron Rivera privately and then met with Eric Washington and Sam Mills privately. And th- those those things were extremely impressive to him as well. Um, but something else that really was an interesting factor in the conversation was when, when Gerald was talking about, he, he told ESPN's Justine Anderson that he wanted to go to a contender and mm. the Panthers, I mean, they're 24 and 24 since their Super Bowl appearance. So that doesn't exactly scream contender to you, but all of the things that they've been doing in, you know, free agency this spring, the moves that they've actually made since Marty Herney came back um, to kind of unload this extra weight and then bring in, a lot of fast, exciting, um, dynamic players and get Cam Newton healthy, get the, get their franchise quarterback healthy um, and actually give him some protection and, and do some different things on defense to make sure that they're not just kind of staying stale. Um, those, those things kind of show Gerald that he's, he's the last piece in making this team a true contender. And they made that extremely clear to him. So I, I found that very interesting. I think, there's some talks about perhaps battling for some playing time. Um, I think externally, I'm not sure about what his talks with Cleveland and Baltimore were like, but externally people were saying, well, you know, could he, would he get on the field right away in Cleveland and Baltimore? Well, in Carolina, I mean, there, there's a guarantee he is because this team didn't pick up Vernon Butler's fifth-year option, so they made it pretty clear how they felt about him and made it clear that they're moving to a lot more 30, 30 fronts. So, you know, it kind of all just – they all they kind of just were subtweeting him for weeks, <laughs> you know, with all of these with all of these different things they were doing. They were just like, "Hey, Gerald, did you see? You know, our quarterback's throwing again." 
Hey, Gerald, did you see? We freed up $9 million in cap space. Just got that check today. Hey, Gerald, you know, all these different things. And I just, I, I find it very interesting. Okay. I want to ask you about the defense. You mentioned the, the 30 fronts. And I, th- to me, this is very, very similar to what the Panthers had going on last year, except on the opposite side of the ball. Norv Turner was new in town. You know, you, I, I thought, and I, I ended up being right, I think, but I thought you could see how Norv could take the pieces in place. I, I was wrong. I guess I was right for the wrong reasons. He ended up, you know, he was a lot more malleable than people thought, and he operated that offense, and it, and it worked out really well for as long as Cam was healthy, and Christian McCaffrey was dynamic in that system, and, and everything fit and, and seemed to click. Uh, defensively, though, this year, to me, is where it gets interesting, because I know that they're saying they want to go 3-4 with this defense more often, or at least... I, I, I actually, I don't know if that's, is that what they're doing? I know that our, 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 your, our colleague and, and friend, Joe Person, reported that for theathletic.com. Um, not to plug somebody else's stuff, but, Joe, you know, Joe's a buddy. Um, and I'm curious what you think this defense is going to look like now that we know that Gerald McCoy is part of it, because it's not a traditional 3-4 front, right? With McCoy and Kawan Short and Don Terry Poe. Those are like, those are like three sort of pass rushing interior defensive tackles in a 4-3 scheme. So I'm just curious how you think that sets up or, or maybe you think I'm wrong and, and it's actually a perfect fit. No, I mean, I think it's, I think it's everything. I think it's, I, I literally think it's all those things that you just said. Okay. <laughs> I think that, and I think that's the point. I, uh, you know, having a base is, is not a concept anymore right. um, in, in Carolina. Having a base is, is outdated at this point. So that's, that's Ron Rivera now doing the things that he had a pretty eye-opening year last year. And I think you, you know that. Um, and I think everyone could see that he had a pretty eye-opening year last year in terms of it. He, he started to see if he didn't, because of how much turnover he's had in defensive coordinators, if he didn't actually get his hands on the defense and do the things that, you know, he spent a good part of his life wanting to do um, and, and doing very well then he was kind of going down with the ship. And so he, I think just kind of came to, we talked, we sat down in Atlanta. We talked for a really long time over breakfast and we talked about reinventing yourself in a way that was staying true to who you are and um, changing things about yourself and taking risks, but also, you know, not letting go of your values. And that's kind of the balance he's trying to strike right now. And that's where you kind of are, you're going to see that personality all through this defense. And I think it's going to be a fascinating character study. It's kind of like when you, when you talk to somebody in, you know, I'm not fancy enough to have this hobby, but when you talk to people about curating art, or I guess like this is much more relatable to, to like people my age, you're like, you know, curating music or making playlists or keeping like I, I collect records and they, they, they tell a lot about my personality. Sure. And I think that this is what's going to happen this year. You're going to start to see more of Ron who he actually is as he calls these plays and and Eric, you know, helps Eric design the defense, Eric Washington. Um, And, and so you're going to see a lot more fluidity. You're going to see a lot more malleability and there's not going to be really a set name for it. I think that it's going to be fluid. He's, He's kind of funny. He says tongue in cheek today. He's like, okay, we're going to have a 30 front. We're also going to have an odd front. We'll have even fronts. We're also going to play 40 fronts. You know, what it's basically based on who they play and what, what they, what they do with their personnel that they have, which seems very simple and obvious from a defensive standpoint. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course you're going to play. You're going to play for your players and you're going to, you're going to play with your players talents and you're going to, 
play to your opponent. But defenses, a lot of times, um, we talked about this in Atlanta as well, they're, they're reactionary instead of attacking. And I think he wants to get back to being attacking, but in a way that is is pushing instead of just kind of being okay with the status quo. And so that's bringing in these guys and bringing in um, Gerald, I think is a huge statement in terms of, here you have a guy who you're going to, you're going to start him. If they're in a three man front, you're going to start him with Dontari Poe in the middle and KK short on the left side. You're probably going to start him on the right. Then you're going to have, you know, your outside linebackers, Luke Keekley Roman free in the middle, which is like a frightening thing to think about. And Shaq Thompson on the field, which is another frightening thing to think about. And so then, you know, but, but you can also rotate Bruce Irvin in for KK in some, in some of these rotational snaps that they really like to play in a four man front with Mario Addison and Bruce Irvin on the outside, rotating Bruce Irvin with Brian Burns. You know what I mean? So it's like going to be so shifty and fluid that it's not really fair to call it a 3-4 base or a 4-3 base. Um, they're going to be in nickel a lot too. So they're going to be in four, you know, an even front when they do that. But you know what I mean? Like I start to go down a rabbit hole because it's not going to be one thing or the other. It's just going to be all the things, um, which I guess is a super – lame way of describing it, but I did my or, best. No, 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 no. I think you did a, a really good job because like, this is what I've been seeing, at least in my mind. And, and it's, I love the fact that you talked to Ron about this because it makes sense. Like when you look at what they've been doing, it's very clear. And I think this is really good too, because you, you like, it's very clear that Marty Herney and Ron Rivera are on the same page in terms of acquiring assets for the defensive purposes of, of what they want to do this year, because you, you know, you, you go and sign Bruce Irvin. You draft Brian Burns. Um, you know, you, you, you keep the guys that you have in place. You allow, you know, Shaq Thompson maybe to be a guy that can fly around in different sets and, and come off the edge and, and blitz and all of that. Um, you know, you sign Gerald McCoy. It does feel like that Marty is giving Ron what he wants and that I think the, maybe the analogy too, would be a, like a, a master chef, right? And Ron is, I mean, Ron is one of the all time great defensive minds I mean and defensive players but like a master chef uh who realizes that his 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 restaurant is getting bad reviews and he's not going to let it get shut down so he goes in there and takes over the kitchen right something like that exactly and and I agree with that and I think your your point on Marty giving Ron what he wants is is great I think people were who were screaming for both of them to get canned this off season kind of overlooks this huge key factor in that these two work extremely well together. The biggest project they've ever undertaken, the first biggest project they ever undertook together was drafting Cam Newton. And they literally, they were like, it was, it was sleepovers at the stadium every single night for three months, watching every single snap. They both went that, you know, they were road trip buddies. They went to Atlanta and met with his family. You know, they, they really, that was their first big project. This is their, I would say, probably their second most important project. Mm. Um, and they're kind of channeling that that relationship. There's a lot of trust there. Um, these these are guys that, like, Ron will punch the crap out of Marty's shoulder in the draft room because mm. he he wants him to, like, go up and, and pick somebody. I know, Ron Rivera is like, be aggressive. <laughs> and <laughs> go for it on fourth down and draft up and, like, trade up to draft this guy. And uh, it's just like hilarious to me to think about. And um, and Marty, you know, it's just so funny to see their their dynamic in action. And you really have to watch because they aren't you don't see them together publicly a lot. So 
that's something that I think people forgot about is like you give them the chance, you give them an owner who's going to give that, like let them work and do what they do and, and kind of pull at threads, but not control things and say, this is what I, this is what you have to work with, make something happen with it. And you know why this is important. Um, I think that's an interesting thing. I, I think that when people's backs are against the wall, the way that there's kind of seem to be, That's when a lot of people, especially with pro football experience, um, Ron Rivera, especially, and and a guy like Marty Herney, who has been through a lot, you know, that's when people like that tend to thrive. And so I think that especially them leaning on each other, their relationship, their trust in each other. um, I mean, that's that's kind of what we're seeing right now. It's interesting. You're kind of in, in more ways than you ever have before. I think with this franchise, you're seeing people's personalities. Um, kind of be directly bleed directly into the product that they're putting on the field. That that's a great point, and it's it's nice, it's refreshing for those of us that grew up watching the Panthers and that freaking shield, the NFL logo in the middle. You know, it always <laughs> it always just felt like Jerry's team. You know, Jerry's team. It's just it's what it was. Um, okay, I don't think any of it's going to matter for Marty and Ron if Cam Newton isn't healthy. And I believe you had the the scoop. That, that Cam Newton is throwing over, or, or is he throwing regulation footballs or throwing overhead? I get, I get my Andrew both. Luck and Cam Newton stuff mixed up these days. It's amazing. It's both, and you know, I had to like, I spent a good portion of Thursday night when I broke the story. I spent a good portion of it like telling people why it wasn't a headline on the Onion. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I understand it sounds ridiculous. Like, of course, you know, how else is he going to throw? But when you kind of think about it, you know, he wasn't allowed after his first surgery in 2017, he wasn't allowed to throw overhand uh, or even like move in an overhand motion. Like when he had his kickball tournament, he had to, he couldn't even throw someone out at first um, overhand. He had to do it underhand the entire way. And so, um, you know, it's just that that's kind of an important thing to note. It shows that he's at or ahead of schedule um, where he's supposed to be. Uh, or or at, so, the, at the very least, yeah. way ahead of 2016 schedule, right? Oh, my gosh, yes. But also, like, that's kind of apples to oranges anyway because it's a completely different surgery because he had the partially torn rotator cuff repair um, the first time around, and then this was more of a clean-out of the scope. It was more of a clean-out, and um, they, were, they didn't really know what they were going to be looking at other than there was going to be some cartilage damage. Um, and there was going to be some scar tissue limiting his, his range of motion. And there was a lot less of both of those things than they thought there would be. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, th- th- this is just, you know, kind of, he is definitely ahead of schedule. He also had the surgery sooner, <laughs> uh, which is a big point of contention here in Charlotte, as you might imagine, because he waited so long the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or they waited so long the first time. I don't really think that he had much, much to say about that. But um yeah, so this is he is ahead of schedule or on at least at the very least he's on schedule. And you know, this is a big this is important. I think there are some people within the organization that will try to tone it down and have tried to tone it down and, and act like, you know, you know, yeah, he's throwing, it's not a big deal. But it is because there were some people um who were kind of spreading the misinformation that the Panthers would bench him in twenty nineteen and there was misinformation out there about you know, fear of his arm being gone forever and, and that kind of a thing. And, and th- those things were just inaccurate. And so this is kind of that proof that he's back, he's on track and he's kind of on the pace that they had projected for him. Well, I will say this. I was on um, with, uh, I mean, you you go on with like Mac in Charlotte, right? Like on WFNZ. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Mac's great. Yeah, Mac's the man. I was on with Mac one morning and he's like, Bredson, 
Uh, it's because he's gruffer than I am somehow. He's like, tell me, tell me why Mike Florio is crazy for being on my program. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't think, like, I didn't, I, I agree with you. I don't think there was ever a concern that in my, at least in my mind, that Cam was never going to be back. But I do think that the, the I do think that as much as this is a pressure year for Marty Herney and for, for Ron Rivera, it's also a pressure year for Cam Newton because he has two years left on his deal. And, you know, two, two shoulder surgeries. And so you, if you're, if you, you know, if you're Cam Newton, you can't go out there and play 10 games and have the Panthers be a six and 10 team and look like you can't throw. I mean, that would be a big problem for the long-term viability of his contract, right? I mean, at least in Carolina, I would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's, that's kind of the, the looming shadow um, behind all of this. I think it's all of these things are extremely exciting. The Panthers have made all of the right decisions, in my opinion, um, in free agency and in the draft. And then you just have this one thing that is kind of this shadow that's kind of lurking behind this entire storyline. And it's that he has to be healthy and he has to play well. He, he, he just has to be him. He has to play like he does. Like we all know when he has the ball in his hands, you know, literally anything could happen. I mean, he's, he's made like these crazy miracles happen on the field, but if he's not that Cam Newton, then, then what do you do? And so I think that that's the, that's the big thing is they're going to do everything they can in terms of variables, um, you know, operating with him as the control group, they're going to make everything, every variable possible um, as, as much as safe as possible so that when he does take the field, you know, shoring up the offensive line in the draft and free agency, um, making sure they're giving him time to recover, getting him in for the surgery really quickly, sitting him in the last two games so that the swelling could go down a little bit, um, you know, making sure that everything is, is taking the right, checking the right boxes so that it is, it's in his hands essentially um, and in his shoulder when he, when he does take the field again. And so that's really very much the feeling that I'm getting um, from the organization is, is that that's kind of, Everything has to be perfect around him or as good as they could possibly get it so that he has a great situation to come into. So, you know, the shoulder is you can really not only have the shoulder not have as much pressure on it, but also you can really see how it's operating. If all the other variables are, are handled, um, really, that it, it kind of exposes how well his shoulder is working. And so that's that's a huge that's a huge thing. And, and he's definitely thinking about it. Um, he's definitely has he and his team definitely have it in mind. The Panthers have it in mind, um, but it's kind of a, you know, one day at a time thing for them right now. Um, okay. So let's say that Cam is going to be healthy for the start of the regular season. You know, don't worry about when he starts throwing the team, but he's going to, you know, I mean, just, you know, sort of, I mean, I think it's realistic. He, you know, he's come back from a, a more difficult surgery to be ready to play in week one. Where do you think the Panthers currently fall in the hierarchy of the NFC South? Well, that's a really good question because, you know, I do hate doing these things just because I'm usually wrong. <laughs> I'm not, no, no, this, about, is not, this is not a prediction. I'm just more like a feeling of. Yeah. Like, I think, and that's, that's fair. I think, I think that, um, I think a lot of other teams seem to get older and the Panthers got younger. And I'm, mm. I guess I'm saying mostly I'm thinking offense and, and a quarterback. I still think this receivers group here in Carolina is unproven, but there's like a ton of potential there. Um, getting Greg Olson back will help as well. Um, and this defense is going to be, 
on paper, this defense will – can I say badass on your podcast? Oh, yeah, on paper, yeah. this defense is going to be badass. So that also but, – but, you know, they're not – Panthers aren't the only ones moving to get better and everyone else is sitting still. So you, I think you, can actually, that, you can actually say um, any swear word you want. I just have to bleep out some of them. So. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's <laughs> this, just editing. This first podcast just got interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can drop MFs if you – this defense can be MFing badass, but then I have to go back and bleep out the MFing. So, yeah. It's, <laughs> so cuss away, but you're making more if, – if you want to get revenge on me for the curse, then you can – I'm making – I'm giving you more work. I'll just <laughs> actually have really big pauses so that people think I'm I'm cursing you out, and then they'll, no. they'll automatically assume that I've created more work for you. No, 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 no. I just do – I do the actual beep. So, like, you know uh, – do you ever watch Arrested Development? Arrested Development, like they always, they would always yes. have, they would always have cuss words in there, but they would be beeped out. And to me, it was always funnier because they'd be like out of nowhere. So if we have somebody who cusses oh, yeah. out of nowhere, we just beep it, and it sounds to me, it sounds better. Um, you mentioned the receiving group. Our friend uh, Josh Norris, I think he was I'm pretty sure he tweeted this. He says he thinks that he thinks Curtis Samuel could lead the Panthers in receiving this year. Is he uh, on bath salts? No, I think that's possible. Wow. Curtis has to stay healthy, though. I mean, I think he has been exciting when he's been on the field. And, like, it's really funny. I, I would say that um, he's, like, the man crush of all of the coaches and, and the personnel people. Mm. Like, he just the way that he plays is just so exciting. And the way that he can separate is crazy exciting. He's just got to stay healthy. I mean, everyone on that field had a heart attack the other day because Curtis laid out for a catch and, got the wind knocked out of him. It was really slow to get up. And, and you could just see all the coaches just go, oh, my God. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, it's happening again kind of a thing. And so, um, you know, I think he can be one of them. Honestly, I think he can be one of the most exciting receivers in the NFL if he can stay healthy. And and I think the same of DJ Moore. Um, I think DJ Moore is really exciting. Just the, the versatility there, the way that North Turner uses him is, is really smart, I think. They don't really – send him on these routes or these like uh fit him into these schemes where he's kind of a it's not uh, it's not it's non-traditional right it's like they yeah i mean like you saw it in the middle of last year they were running these like option style offense with with curtis and cam with christian mccaffrey and cam and dj Moore. i mean like it was it was like star wars level stuff from norv which i i think i mean he's a he should be a hall of fame offensive coordinator but the fact that he could do this at his age after having been out of the league for a year and to come back and and to completely alter his approach it says a lot about him not not like just his mind as an offensive guy well you know that's a that's a really good point but i actually so i wrote a story about norm um and his offense and how it's like a new version of all of his old tricks because he's Hmm. using he's got better players because these the this generation of offensive players is just so good and talented and fast and strong and so he actually uh he I wrote a st- after the Tampa Bay after the Panthers beat Tampa Bay last year I wrote a story this is the, the first time they played them um they ran a reverse with Curtis Samuel is actually the uh Two. longest running play that year for the Panthers because um, he ran sideline to sideline <laughs> like six <laughs> times. I'm sure you remember it. Yeah. And um, he ran the exact same play out of the exact same formation with the exact same personnel groupings um, in, in like 1992 when he was with Washington. Oh, no, 90, and he ran it yeah. against Tampa Bay. And it was like, and, and I, so I was, I wrote a feature on how he's like, he's the new old North Turner because he's got, 
the same tricks, but he's using them in, in different ways now with better packages, more disguises, because that's how football is now. And he's got better players. Yeah. And so it, it's just so interesting to me. He's like kind of trolling everybody in a way, which is, which is phenomenal because he's just going to be underestimated because he's like not Sean McVay or, you know, any of these younger guys. He's, he's just kind of like, trolling everybody and it's pretty it's pretty amazing to watch for, just for the record it was probably 94 i think because he would he would have been with the cowboys in 92 right 92 through 93 with cowboys yes 94 yes. you're right because yeah. I, I don't i don't want i don't want i, was I don't want, yeah 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 like i was yeah <laughs> i you were guy you were two okay that i was 11 but still i don't want people tweeting us and being like hey man and lady <laughs> i'm sure they'll say these things really nicely um yeah, but you look at the, you look at the guys he had like on those teams. I mean, you know, I mean Brian Mitchell is a is a legend, but if you put Brian and like Desmond Howard too, but and those guys are great, but they're not going to compete physically with like DJ Moore and you know Christian McCaffrey, right? I mean, just because of how modern science has evolved. Like, I mean, those guys were fast, but they they weren't the quick twitch athletes that you have today, um, right? crazy to yeah. think about that he's doing he's trolling everyone he's doing the same things with better players and he's he's basically getting as much autonomy as he wants and look you gotta credit ron rivera for people people didn't didn't give that an a plus grade when he signed north either like they were like oh you know he's, he's pretty good all right so but how do you think this team like <laughs> is this i don't know how I, we go off on tangents on this podcast, but we've managed to keep it on, on one team, right? For, for, for this, uh, stretch of the, the program. So do you think this team is the second best team in the division? The best team in the division? The, like, worst? I mean, where do you think they stand? Well, I think, I think Carolina, I think that it'll be a close race for, for the first best. The only thing that I think will be a difference maker, obviously, is quarterback play, yeah. depending on health, and also um, receivers. Because, again, this group on paper doesn't really stand up to, you know, all these other receiving cores with their these amazing receivers and tight ends that are like top 10 in the league around, you know, but, but, I don't think that doesn't mean I don't think they can do it. So I think defensively they're going to be incredible. I mean, I just think, I do think that if they can stay healthy, I think it's going to be an incredible defense. Um, you know, when you hear Ron Rivera say the words, anything we can do to maximize Luke Keekley's ability is the right thing for us to do. Then you kind of think, Oh, rest in peace, everyone else. And then, you know, you kind of think about, quarterbacks and you know if the health is there I don't think there is a better quarterback in terms of a game-changing ability um than Cam Newton and all the things that he can do um I'll probably you know 50 percent of the North and South Carolina will probably give me hell for saying that but I, I really believe that I think that there's nobody better at being a game-changing quarterback than him put, and put then, Will Greer in already start Derek Anderson yeah, you know, my emails are horrible. I, I should send them to you sometime. There, you can just take them for me. They're like, <laughs> so bad. I actually, I actually like answering hate, hate filled email or like angry emails from readers or because I, I, I open up my DMs, which has been, um, dumb and, but also kind of enjoyable because podcast listeners reach out, but like people send me angry DMs and I, I, don't, I don't know why, but I enjoy like responding to angry people in a congenial fashion. It, it gives me some sort of sick, twisted pleasure for some reason. So I think that's, 
you can you can eat vitamins for that. I think there's like a vitamin. <laughs> we'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would say this. Okay, the Carolina Panthers have an over under win total in Las Vegas. It has actually moved yeah. down in the last. Uh, and it's it's in the last maybe like week or so. It was eight. It is now seven and a half. But it's, it's heavily juiced to the over, meaning you know they, I think they look at Carolina and see sort of an enigma, maybe a 500 team. But it also depends on whether you know Cam, it depends on Cam's health too. I think, and and that's fair. Do you think they are more or le- over or under seven and a half wins? So I'll just I'll be really bold. I'll just give you a number. If Cam Newton is healthy this year, they're at least a ten win team, wow. and I think they make a run. If wow. Cam Newton is not healthy this year. I mean, I'll probably move. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like it's not going to be a good time. It will be. It's not going to be good um, if if he's not healthy. I think that um, if he if he's not healthy, they'll still have a great defense, but it's just that's not sustainable. Um, and so, you know, it all kind of like we said, it, it all kind of rides on that. Um, you know, I I think that. I think that a lot rides on, on his shoulder. And I think that if he's healthy, um, not only the boost that he gives with, with the ball in his hand, with what he can do, um, his chemistry with this offense, um, but also this defense kind of stacking up the way that it is. Um, this, this could be, if, you know, if things fall right and health is maintained, this could be a special football team. It's interesting because it could also be, a complete disaster mm. if the cards don't stack right. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's it's not going to be in the middle. It's going to be either or. <laughs> so either t- yeah, don't don't worry about getting close to eight. It's going to blast past that eight or fall away under. All right, Jordan, uh, I've kept you too long. This has been a blast. Thank you for accommodating me with your schedule. Read Jordan at the Charlotte Observer, charlotteobserver.com. And what is your Twitter handle? I don't have it. Is it just your name? Yes, it is my name. It's at J-O-U-R-D-A-N-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E. All right, give her a follow as well. It's been a blast, and uh, we'll have to hang out soon. Thanks for having me on your Curse podcast. <laughs> You're welcome.